Hello. She was a level-headed dancer on the road to alcohol. And I was just a soldier on my way to Montreal. Where she pressed her chest against me. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. Well, Saturday was quite the roller coaster, but uh, it gave us something to talk about, and it ended up being a pretty nice victory for the Tech football team. So, uh, Hunter is here, and we are going to dive into that uh, from every angle that we found interesting, like we usually do. So, um, this was fun because the game was fun, uh, and uh, here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. They can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. They have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process online and it's easy and and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. They can be reached at prmiraider at primeres.com through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com or by phone at 214-736-9466. So get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right. Well, this podcast is going to be a lot more fun to record than I thought it would be 20 minutes into the game on Saturday. And Hunter was there. He lived it live. So how, how are you doing and how was it? It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I was thinking if they if we'd won 38 to 21 and they scored a touchdown late to make it 38-21, like we were winning 38-14 and kind of controlled the game the whole the whole time, it wouldn't have been near as fun as it was right in live yeah uh, so just the way the comeback um, kind of <laughs> led to it was more stressful but it was right. also really a more rewarding um experience basically uh, gave them like a half head start <laughs> yeah gave them 14 and, points and a half and and uh you know then tried to make it up from there which which really i mean before we get to how impressive that second half was me and you were talking about it before we hit record but uh we both kind of i think had a mutual understanding of respect for Dana, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's hard to, I know a lot of, he gets a lot of hate from tech fans. Um, but he was, I thought he was a good coach at West Virginia. I still think he's a, he's a good coach, at least a good offensive mind. And he correctly identified that he was overmatched and just threw everything at tech early and almost all of it were, I mean, I, I, all of it worked. <laughs> Everything was executed perfectly yeah. until it wasn't basically. Yeah. Maybe except the double reverse uh, flea flicker, which, which apparently you may have seen it because you were there. Everybody on Twitter was saying tune missed a, a like a wide open touchdown. Like well, the, guy was, was, the guy was open. I don't know if he could have got it to him, but we were, oh, yeah. there. we were back there. It took a long time to develop, but yeah, they had a guy that was wide open. The, both the guys were open. It's just, uh, I guess it took a little bit to get to the, to throw it to who he was and we it was over his head but anyway yeah i have a hard time disliking dana just his yeah. kind of personality um just the his 
drunk Red Bull kind of <laughs> accepting of all of his uh, faults. But I've seen him at LaBerge Casino at the uh, Lazy River Pool, and he was hammered and just he seems like a cool guy to yeah. be with. But uh, he did. I mean, he he acted like he was playing the New York Giants or something. That he was a twenty-one <laughs> point underdog. Came, you know, the onside kick. He was clearly going for it on fourth down. Any chance he got, yeah. And if he doesn't push all those buttons, um, I don't know what the score would have been. I mean, I mean, like we we said before, we hit. I mean, I think it's like fifty-five ten. If that, you know, like if they get a touchdown, I mean, it 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 would have been ugly. Which is which is kind of what we thought it would be. If it wasn't out, that's what I was telling. I mean, the game played out honestly exactly the way I thought it would. Yes. In terms of our defense, them having a lot of trouble against our defense, their defense being good enough to slow us down. Yeah. And, but us ultimately being multiple possessions better. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, you'll never convince me that we didn't kick their ass in that game. No oh, one yeah. I mean, would be able to convince me of that. Just, I mean, if you just look around the big 12, what Baylor did like they what they only won by eight or nine against Texas State. Iowa State only beat Northern Iowa by six. Uh, Oklahoma only beat Tulane by five. I mean, like a 17 point win, considering the big picture, or it's more than 17, whatever it is. I, I can't do math, or is it seven? Yeah, it's, it's, 17. Yeah, uh, that's a good, that's a good win, <laughs> you know. I mean, when, when we were. Two and a half. Did it close at two and a half or two point underdogs? Yeah, something two and a half point underdogs, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, that was for some reason, and us tech playing in NRG leads to what to me are horrible, terrible lines. Like we were a pick them against close to a pick them against Ole Miss, and they just were so much better than us. Yeah, we were like a six point dog to LSU, and I know we had Pat Mahomes, but we should that that line was too short yeah. and then this one uh was i thought similarly bad uh I, we were clearly better and i think the game played out that we were but anyways i but i feel bad for all the bookies that have tech heavy clientele because i don't know a single every tech fan i know bet beyond their means on tech <laughs> in that game yeah like, i'm pretty sure sh- like i know ben, ben ben golan who works at our site i mean he was there for his bachelor party and I'm pretty sure he put a number on tech that if tech lost, he would no longer need a bachelor party. So, I mean, it's a good thing that tech took care of business. Yeah. But, you know, back to the, like to the game itself, the first, you know, like I said, I was worried about the offense and I wrote this today because it's so hard to get, you know, like you get so jacked up for a game, especially the first game and you're a new quarterback like Tyler Shuck is. And, you know, you're a new coordinator like Cumbie is to tech and you've got, you know, you're just amped up. And so at the very least you expect they may have a, you know, a five minute drive, either kick a field goal, score, punt, whatever you get the ball and you're ready to go. You know, you're waiting, you know, maybe 10 minutes to get on the field actual real time but it turns into like an hour, you know, with the onside kick and then two long drives with, with Houston trying to waste time. And so I was impressed with the way the offense just came out and took care of business. Like it was like nothing weird happened. Uh, I mean, it should have ended in seven, you know, but I just, I, I was just impressed with 
with, I, I think it just comes down to Shuck being able to just kind of block all that out pretty much the weirdest first quarter I can remember. And then just get in there and take care of business. Agreed. Yeah. It was bizarre being there and not playing offense for, for that long. And um, yeah, we'll talk about in more, more detail, I guess it just overall um, EPA per play expected points added uh, defense. Our defense is 32nd best performance in the country. And of course, a lot of the teams ahead of us were playing nobody. And then our offense was 59th. And to me, that looks about right. You know, I thought our defense played much, much better relative compared to our offense. And, yeah. uh, but, um, you know, I, I think our offense played about like I thought that it would be, and, and maybe you're right that, you know, it was just a tough situation to play in because we put, we ran 56 offensive snaps, That's which ridiculous. is like crazy low for us. We ran. Can you remember over, the last time it was that low? I don't, it might be, um, I really don't. Um, I know we we had over a hundred snaps the last time we played U of H, and you know with Yost's offense last year was kind of it needed a lot of snaps. That, that was kind of part of their thing, you know. I think yeah. they measured it like we want, they wanted to have over eighty maybe per game or something. Yeah. And it's was part of. Yeah, I think they measured it because it was the more snaps they ran, the more effective they thought the offense would be. Right. Um, it, that was a, the game where you needed to have a, kind of a maybe a more diverse offensive system to be able to overcome not have playing a lot of snaps being and still being able to be effective. Uh, I was surprised. I, I was surprised. I thought uh, just some of the things we did um, like, I, so we ran or we had 1.15 tight ends per play on the yep. field versus 0.85 H receivers. And so that's essentially looking at Tharp teeter and Koontz versus Price, Rigdon, and Mannix. I would have thought that had been flipped, really? and not really just based on anything I know about Cumbie. I just would have thought that position group as a whole, Price, Rigdon, and Mannix, would warrant being on the field more than the trio of uh, Koontz, Tharp, and Teeter. But it looks like you know. I think we can be. I think we can safely say that that's what's it's going to look like under Cumbie. I mean, we're going to play a lot of tight ends. Yeah, and if you, to me, if you look around the NFL and you look around like good offenses in college football, that's kind of where it's going is these multiple formations that utilize maybe an H-back and a tight end, two tight ends, or, you know, those guys basically play the same. They're the same guy, but you can put multiple out there. They can, it, it doesn't limit what you can do, I guess. You know, if you want to run, if you want to run the ball, there there's two extra blockers. If you want to throw the ball, there's two more, two or more receivers. I mean, on the – on the big third down conversion that eventually led to a score in the red zone. I mean, Teeter and Koontz ran mesh, you know, for a, for a 10 yard game. That, I, that just tells me a lot about Teeter that, yeah. I mean, that was maybe the biggest play of the game. Yeah. And Teeter was on the field and, yeah. was, and was like highly involved in the play. Yeah. Uh, and then also Koontz, I think we just need to, he's good. that he's maybe the, one of the best players on the team, because yeah. if you take out offensive line, and you take out Tyler Shuck, and so then you look, and you take out the best player on our team as a comma. Coons played the most snaps. Yeah, and so I mean, I think it's safe to say Cumby thinks he's uh, he's one of the best best we got at any position, really. And I think you saw flashes of that last year. I mean, there was that screen he took to the house against OU. There were a couple of like down the middle seams that he caught, um, but it just seemed like he was a guy that. You know, Cumbie probably has a, a section on his play call sheet that's like how to get Koontz the ball. 
which I don't think would have happened last year, but I think he's a good enough player to warrant that. And then another big play uh, was a third and short. I think earlier on that drive, or maybe it was a drive before we also threw it to Coons and uh, picked it up, yeah. picked up the first down. So, um, you know, when it really mattered, we were throwing to Ezekama or uh, Coons. Yeah. You know, Miles, I was surprised at Miles Price. Um, he played 27 snaps, which is crazy low, but it's not as low when you take into account we only only had 56. So he played yeah. half our snaps. Uh, but I mean, I would be shocked if he plays 27, l- less than 30 snaps a game for the rest of his career, unless yeah. he gets hurt or something. Yeah. I mean, that, oh, yeah. He, had, he had zero targets. We didn't throw to him once. I think we handed it to him a couple times. Price? Yeah. Really? I mean, that one that was targeting, wasn't that a wasn't that a screen that was thrown to him? Or I, I thought it was targeting. It ended up not being targeting. Well, if it was a penalty. No, that was a handoff. They, uh, okay. they ended it as a handoff. I guess. And then I'm also thinking, well, that one. Two, the penalty. Yeah, I guess the penalty. He drew that pass interference. Yeah, that so is crazy. took it out as a, as a play since it right. wasn't incomplete or a catch. Yeah, that, that, is pretty, that is pretty wild. And, I mean, he's a guy that we heard a lot about in camp that Cumbie really liked. And I would imagine the weirdness of that game probably went into like, we've got to run what, <laughs> what I know works. We, we don't have, we, we can't take chances with, with plays that maybe might work. It's like, we're going to get the ball to Izukama because that works. We're going to get the ball to Koontz because I know that'll work. And we're going to run the ball because I know that'll work. So that may be a, a, a bit, to the the target thing and like you said with only running 56 plays there's only so much to go around it's just not something we're used to yeah just to show you know this is the way that the second half went we were it's 7.3 yards per play to their 1.5 yards per play which is maybe i mean maybe one of the biggest discrepancies that we've had against a non-fcs opponent for for a long 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 time um so passes 10 plus yards down the field. Uh, Clayton Toon was three for eight for 58 yards, two interceptions, two touchdowns. So he, two of those, I was there and I was sitting close enough on the, where the defense was on our, on our field and was close to Patterson. And it was very obvious and apparent to me that Reggie Pearson was the reason for both of those busted coverages on their touchdowns. Yeah. Um, like to the, you know, nobody was even defending those guys. Yeah. And so if you take busted coverages out, they were one for six on passes 10 plus yards down the field. I mean, that's a uh, pretty good. I mean, we, we, I don't remember any pass interference penalties on us. No. Um, Shuck, on the other hand, on those was three for six for 96 yards. And we had several pass interference penalties that yeah. we generated. So we, we really dominated like the deep pass, you know, passes 10 plus yards down the field. And then on the, so then on carries by a running back, U of H had 18 carries by a running back for 39 yards. And they, they had, we missed two tackles on running backs. Yeah. Tech had 19 carries for 138 yards and we forced five missed tackles according to PFF. So we dominated deep passes. We dominated, you know, traditional handoffs just to, I mean, I, I don't remember a game where we really did that, those two things, both of those in the same game, No, just to, to that extent. Well, and the crazy part is, is the offense left a lot out there. I mean, you know, you, you obviously had the, the, drive that should have been six on the Xavier White fumble 
And then you had, you know, you get the ball back to start the second half and do nothing with it. There, there were a couple drives in the second half that just stall out due to penalty. There's a couple of penalties that kind of killed drives. It seemed like anytime we got into a third and more than five or six, the offensive line was just trying to block smoke essentially. Um, and so it was there as good as they were, I mean, it can be a lot better. Um, I think, and I think that hinges and I don't, you know, I'm kind of interested to know your take on it since you saw it in person, but um, the offensive line has to get better in my opinion, or we're either going to be very limited on what we can do down the field or Shuck is not going to make it <laughs> through the season. Yeah. I, it, I saw uh Stormont get like dinged a little bit. He got like rolled up on and was limping and didn't, just didn't seem like he was moving that well. And that was kind of early, but the one thing from just comparing the teams, like U of H's defensive line looked the part they were, there was a, they rotated a lot of them. They were big. Like number forty four was huge. That yeah, big, he was. Yeah, that big white defensive end they had was huge. That number zero. Um, yeah, they, they had some dudes on the defensive line. Now, skill guys like we they looked like little babies compared, <laughs> compared to us. And then I was saying that quite frequently during the game, especially when guys were trying to cover as a comma. Yeah, but yeah. Um, that they're I, I don't know. You know, the offensive line. Um, the only thing I can say on that is their defensive line looked pretty good and look yeah. big and you know it was frustrating it did seem like at times we were having trouble with them I mean if you look at the football outsider sack rate uh, stats from last season I mean Houston and they it's all the same guys for Houston they would be by far the best defensive line in terms of sack rate that we see all year the closest they were ranked like they were ranked in the top 10 and I think OU or Oklahoma State was next and, and they were in the forties, I think. I mean, it, you know, obviously the talent that Oklahoma state or Oklahoma bring in may, may impact that a little bit, but um, that did make me feel a little better knowing that Houston's defensive line is good, but there were just times where, you know, we, we had heard and we know we saw it a little bit, you know, Shuck can move. And so if the pocket breaks down, Shuck's got an ability to extend the play, but I mean, it was, he was, you know, immediately almost on a lot of those deep throws there. It was a triangle of Houston defenders and he, there was nowhere for him to go, but backwards. And so, you know, he's not going to do that. He's not that fast. And so it, I think it was so bad that you couldn't even see Shuck's ability to extend the play because there was just nowhere for him to run. Yeah. And I think later in the game on some of our deep throws, we were doing things to maybe account for, their pass rush like we were like it was like moving the pocket like yeah. a bootleg and he was sprinting out and yeah, throwing yeah. um but I, I was i thought there was less designed shuck runs than i would have expected although i kind of like you know we did it in big moments of yeah. the game like towards the red zone and then late on one of our long drives when we um, kind of needed needed something to happen i think we had one where he ran for eight yards um, but no yeah he was not running around like like i kind of expected him to be yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, to me, I think that's just, there were Houston guys in the backfield immediately, but uh, I think it's good. I don't want to run Shuck until we get into the conference and then all bets are off. Do what you need to do, you know, to a certain extent, but um, you definitely saw his ability. I mean, <laughs> those moves he put on the Houston defenders to score were, I mean, that was impressive. <laughs> Yeah, they were. Yeah, and he made their two best 
one of those is like they maybe their best player, that linebacker's name is like Mutine, Mutine. And yeah, he just totally whiffed on him. Yeah. On, on, it looked like he was tackling like in spring ball where like the quarterback had a <laughs> oh, he just slapping the so, hips. Like, um, not even close. Um, and then, uh, you know, looking at our other quarterbacks, Donovan Smith looks the part. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. That guy is huge. And then also, Baron Morton was punting like 50 yard punts before the game. I, I saw that on Twitter. Like, is he the backup punter? <laughs> I don't know, but he was booming punts before the game. <laughs> so we're, that quarterback room is full of athletes, is what you're saying. I guess so. I mean, when he if when if he ever plays, we probably won't use a punter. You know, yeah. we'll probably have that dummy fourth down thing where we punt out of a shotgun look. Right. That's yeah. Not, because he the guy. It's not like a token thing. I mean, he was he was with the punters, and his ball looked like theirs, except for McNamara, who has a, a cannon. <laughs> Wow. You know, speaking of that, we talked about, we talked last week that if special teams could just be, you know, a net neutral, then we would be in good shape. And I think for the most part, that was true. We didn't fair catch like I wanted to, you know, but we almost, it was almost full. It was almost always a touchback except for the last one. Uh, Nailed the one field goal. Like it was nothing, which was good to see. Um, you know, there was the onside kick, but to me, I mean, that was just a perfect kick, yeah. you know? Perfect kick, yeah. And then our coverage teams were outstanding. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Derek Lewis play almost Mark, flipped the game. Marcus Jones is the real deal. I mean, he's small and he had trouble with Ezekama. Everyone has had trouble with Ezekama. But they put – and this is another thing that Dana was doing. I don't know if we expected it. I mean, he played maybe 20 snaps on offense, and they yeah. were throwing to him and handing the ball to him a lot but we really took him out of the return game and shout out to Jackson Knotts, the long snapper who made a tackle on a punt in a big moment. I mean, he's not a very big dude. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know much about Jackson Knotts, but he was fired up when he made the tackle. Well, that Marcus Jones. It was impressive the way uh, McNamara was putting it on the sideline. And he, I mean, one of his best punts that was on the sideline still almost ended up in a big return. Like Jones was so close to breaking it. And yet we just had enough bodies there to get him. So I, mean, I think he, he averaged like 15 yards per return, a punt return last year. And he had 13 yards total in the game. I wow. mean, we, so we did pretty good. Yeah. I didn't know that. That That's, that's we had, um, 65% of our defensive snaps were played by transfers. 49% of our offensive snaps were played by transfers. Wow. Uh, you know, I was not surprised, but because uh, we talked about it, that Reggie Pearson played every snap and led the defense and snaps played. I mean, he's maybe because those, those plays, the, the busted coverage, I mean, that's that's not physical. That's something that you think can be figured out and yeah. not happen again. I mean, I would say that it was in the second half. I, whatever they did to halftime, whether they simplified it or went back to coverages they knew how to run there was no more of those in the second half yeah i mean so he's clearly one of our best players which is just i mean he's that's going to be the biggest steal i think looking back it's, it's going to be similar to like schooler where you know just arizona screws around and isn't going to play and then we get him and now it's like unbelievable luck kind of what a steal colin schooler was and and then i think Pearson will be the same thing. I mean, he's one of our best players on 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 a defense that's appears to be really good. I mean, yeah. our defense might be it's going to be a, a a problem. I think you'll hear coaches talk about it as we get closer about you know the, this is just not the typical tech defense. Yeah, 
I saw a couple of uh, Wisconsin beat writers on Twitter, you know, retweeting Pearson's stats being like, you know, the University of Wisconsin medical team couldn't find a way to clear him. And this is what he did tonight. You know, and after a loss like they had, <laughs> they're looking for anything like that. He forced uh, a fumble too. Yeah. He had eight tackles, I think, forced a fumble, had that, had that pick that was, I mean, he basically turned into the receiver. That was, it was an impressive pick. We used him in a weird, you know, I'll be interested to see your defensive breakdown because, you know, I was watching him and he would often be time, oftentimes be the deepest safety. And this would be like five seconds before they snapped the ball. And then by the time they snapped the ball, he had walked down and he was uh, inside of like Monroe or water. So he was no longer the deepest safety, but by the, by the time the quarterback had dropped back three steps, he was like at the line of scrimmage almost. Yeah. And it was just kind of interesting to me the way we, he would start out so deep and then he yeah. would play up close to the line. And then when you look at some of the stuff on who he was covering, he only covered running backs, tight ends, or inside receivers. So I know he's listed at that spur spot. And so when I was watching where his where he was aligned, I'm thinking, he's not playing spur. I mean, he's playing literally free safety. But I think he actually was playing spur. It's just we were doing something alignment-wise tricky maybe that we're kind of disguising what we were doing with him. Yeah, and that's what's that's what really sucks about you know having the TV camera angle is you basically see none of the secondary movement. So like I didn't even know that until you told it to me. Um, so I mean and I'm then, gonna go I'm gonna go to the game next week. So hopefully I see some of that same stuff. Yeah, and then similarly, Eric Monroe was kind of doing the opposite of, of what he was doing. Uh, Eric Monroe at times this wouldn't be every time, but he would be like at the line of scrimmage. And then this is five snap, five seconds before they snapped the ball. And then by the time they snapped it, he was kind of behind the linebackers. And then by the time the quarterback had dropped back, he was maybe our deepest safety, you know? So uh, we were playing with three safeties a lot at the, at the time. Um, and it, it looked, it just kind of looked different to me yeah. what we were doing defensively. It wouldn't shock me if they were almost using Pearson as you know, the way the Ravens used to use Ed Reed is the best example. I mean, I'm not comparing the two, but just like a guy who has a very unique skill set. Um, and so you're kind of just like, you kind of do, you do your thing. We'll figure out the rest behind you. You know, like you're, a, you know, you, you somehow find the ball always. Like you say, he had a, he forced a fumble and had a pick and eight tackles. I mean, that's like, that's not something we see out of safeties around here. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it's just like you move around and kind of you play center field, basically you see something (laughs) go do it almost. Another thing that surprised me um, was uh, Boyer Randall playing as much as he did. He played 57 snaps, which is more than Rico Jeffers. Yeah. I think today, or maybe it was even yesterday. Well said that he had the quote unquote hot hand. So I, I guess he was doing something they liked, but I mean, he played a lot and he's a, he's very versatile. I mean, he, when you look at what he does for us, he, he like rushes the passer. I mean, he defended yeah. like three or four passes. So well, he's played in coverage. He tipped the one that Fry intercepted. Yep. That's what I was about to say. He also put the hit on whatever receiver it was for the, um, the pick that Monroe got. I mean, so yeah, he was he was rushing the passer one play in like a defensive end position, and the next one he's covering a, a crosser and times the hit perfectly to where it bounces up so that Monroe can hit it. And then, like you said, he he jumped up and tipped that ball that Fry intercepted. So, and then what he was doing is he was kind of keeping Prashawn Merriweather off the field 
which, you know, I, I guess that's good that he's playing well, but Krishan is number. Okay. He's a monster. When you see him out there, he looks apart, especially in the run game. Yeah. He played 31 snaps and he was credited with eight tackles, (laughs) eight tackles, 31 snaps. I remember a drive. I'm pretty sure he had every tackle in a three and out. Like (laughs) he was just everywhere. Yeah. And but we're talking about, you know, defense alignment. And another thing I, I saw um, was, or I guess that surprised me, was Schooler was playing in space a lot more than I um, expected him to be. And I was like, I remember being frustrated, not frustrated, but just like, why? You know, he, I know he's a middle linebacker and he, he's got the most tackles in the world or something. Yeah. Um, but, but what would, it was almost uncanny. He would either um, start out like way out, like, like covering covering an inside receiver and but by the time the ball was snapped he would be where a middle linebacker would be yep. or he would stay out there and it would be a play they were either doing a quick game that way or one of those like when the receiver does that orbit motion they throw it to him yep. and so it was like okay well maybe I'm, I'm i'm the idiot and it makes a lot of sense that on these plays where they're getting it out quickly into the flats we have colin schooler out there i mean yeah. it was a uh, interesting the way we were using him and he was everywhere I yeah mean, oh not, yeah Patterson is almost like an offensive coordinator to me in the way that he it was it's similar to what we were saying with Pearson is that he knows his guy's strengths like he knows Merriweather is just a monster in the run game he knows Boyer Randall can do a lot of different stuff he knows Pearson is just you know a turnover magnet and he knows Schooler is everywhere and so it's it almost just seems like he's putting these guys in these positions to it's not like here's what my linebacker does it's more like Here's what Schooler does well. So now this is what he does. And he's, and then that's a good way to handle this group of linebackers since they're all good and they all are skilled in different ways. That play that Schooler made, like you said, it, it was like an orbit motion, bubble screen. He didn't commit to it too early, but he saw it. Then he runs through the block, keeps his outside arm free, and makes like a ridiculous open field tackle all while the Houston receiver is glued to his Jersey yeah. and it ends up being like a five yard. Like it was incredible. Like, it's a big moment. I, yes. know from, I think it was Tazon Henry too, was the guy that the runner, the runner, he was, uh, it was, that was the, one of the exact situations I was talking about where he was yeah. lined way out there. And I'm thinking to myself, why is he covering? It seemed like he was lined up against Marcus Jones. I mean, that, that was who he was across from. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, they have this all American corner and we've got a million safeties and cornerbacks, but we've got Colin Schooler on him. Yeah. And, they run a orbit over there. Colin Schooler's there to make the and he makes the play. So yeah. that was a that, that was a big play. Another, you know, I think I I made a comment and level kind of said like this was back when our depth chart came out about Fry uh, being a backup and he and levels like don't read into that too much. Yeah, and of course Fry plays sixty eight snaps uh, versus Malik Dunlap and Rashad Williams combined fifty eight. So. Um, <laughs> And Fry played well. Fry played, played well. he played like the Fry we knew when he was a freshman, all American. That's what it looked like to me. So hopefully that form continues. And he looks the part too. Yeah. He, he's rangy. He's he's got good size. I mean, he looks like a Big 12 cornerback. Well, that's what I was about to say. I just finished my defensive breakdown before we started recording. The one thing that stands out is you it's it's not like in the past i can remember when we would have you know six guys who looked like big 12 defenders now we have 25 guys that look like and and the first 11 look like good big 12 defenders i mean it's we've talked about it 
ad nauseum, but just the, the roster turnover and the, and, and it was all hypothetical before Saturday, but the, uh, the, the talent addition that we thought Wells and his staff had, had done, I mean, it, it proved to be true. I mean, they were better than Houston in every way. Yeah, I agree. I think the, uh, the pass rush is the, is a problem, but um, the defense is otherwise, other than that, which is a problem, right? In this league, you, like you know, we can be hurt and we'll be burned by teams that will take advantage of us not being able to get, get to the quarterback very quickly. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it really is, it's night and day and it's kind of been a, a slow process because we saw glimpses of it last year. Yeah. But I think we will be able to withstand, uh, you know, injuries and just a full season because uh, of how many bodies we have. And um, it, it's, it's, it's exciting because yeah. another guy too, I mean, when he was in the game, he had a gear that others did not have was a Josiah Pierre. Yeah. He uh, played more than I thought he would actually. And yeah. He played like 16, 17 snaps, but yeah. he was in big moments in the game and really big moments and um, was like blowing up guys, you know, he may not have made the play, but I mean, I, he was blowing up dudes when he was in there. Yeah. My, uh, you mentioned it as good as the defense is. And I think it has a high floor, like as bad as it's going to be, isn't very bad, but I'm afraid that the pass rush really limits the ceiling. Like, I don't know if this is going to be like necessarily a, a C, like a game changer defense where like, you know, we go from, potentially winning six games to nine because the defense is so good. I think the, the lack of a pass rush really puts a limit on that. Unless a guy like Tyree Wilson figures it out or Patterson can just figure out a way to, you know, just scheme a pass rush. That's, that's my one concern at, at the ceiling of this thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that, although they weren't, you know, dropping back and throwing a ton and so there wasn't like, you know, they were doing a lot of quick game stuff and running the ball. And, you know, so it didn't make a ton of sense to be like pinning, having defensive ends, like pinning their ears back and going upfield. Um, but I agree with what you're saying. And then, so offensively, I mean, there were a lot of Yost in play on Saturday and I liked it. I mean, it was the things we were doing, you know, what we had been, what we did effectively under Yost, getting the ball quickly to Ezekama running downhill and, you know, pairing quick game stuff with the run um, effectively, you know, I, we, there was like a continuation of that, that I saw on Saturday. Yeah. I think there was, there were wrinkles to it though. Like the screens, instead of just, you know, throwing bubble screen to bubble screen to bubble screen to, to Rigdon and Mannix and price, it was, Hey, let's get our best player, Izukama, in the slot, put him in motion, and throw the bubble screen to him. You know, there was stuff, there were wrinkles like that. Like instead of throwing this screen to the running back, again, let's throw this, let's throw this middle screen, let's put Izukama in the slot and throw this middle screen to him. And we saw the difference that made when he, you know, broke three tackles and nearly scored. Like that's those are the little wrinkles that I, I really expected Cumby to bring, and he's delivered on. Agreed. Yeah, and Izukama, I mean we could just talk about it all day. It's like, I don't know how you tackle him. I've never <laughs> seen anyone, any team we play be able to tackle him. Yeah. It, I, it I worries me every time because I think he's going to fumble. <laughs> I just have not seen a single big, tw- any team field a secondary that has one person that can tackle as a the monster. And I'm afraid that 
like I think the officials called the game well. Like I don't think he should have got called for that offensive pass interference that that Houston was clamoring for. Like they were both hand fighting, but I'm afraid his physicality is going to get him in trouble sometimes. Yeah, I think so too because it's he's so overpowering. You know, like you're saying, they're hand fighting and like when he wins the hand fight, the guy goes flying. It's just gonna, yeah, he's thrown to the ground. Yeah, I don't know if it, it's not like a push off. It's just he's like. And he's breaking con- away from contact, yeah. and it, that that motion it causes a five foot eight all American cornerback to go to the ground in a heap. <laughs> and, and yeah, they they had no answer for him. No, None. and I did think it was weird. It was hard to tell on TV, and I don't know if you were looking for it, but um, did they ever help Jones at all? Like, did they have a safety over the top? Did they try to double Izukama at all? Mo- yeah, a lot of times that I saw. Not when we threw to him, you know. Maybe right. I, okay, that's what I that's what I figured. Okay. Yeah, and that maybe that makes sense. Like when we, yeah. when we threw to him when they did it, but a lot of the time I saw, yes, they had a, a safety over the top on his side. Yeah. You know the, I think that one thing that's overshadowed and and Level mentioned it on the pregame, like was really talking up Taj Brooks. Like you don't understand how like he is he's going to start. It's not Xavier White. It's not Chadarius Townsend. It's it's Taj Brooks and not only is he going to start, he's going to basically be Sir Roderick. You know, he's going to be out there, you know, three times as much as any other back is. And I was I knew that he that he was ex, like there was a lot expected of him, but I didn't realize the coaching staff necessarily felt that way about him. And then he did what he did on on Saturday and totally backed it up. Yeah, he looked good. And yeah, you know, I watched or I've rewatched the his runs, the big long ones, and he, especially the second one. Um, there is, you know, because I kind of I'm critical sometimes when you have the running backs, like Xavier White, for instance, last year against Kansas State, when they break a 60 yarder and then they've got 10 carries for 72 yards, and everybody's like, "Wow, wow what a what a great performance!" And it's like, well, but yeah. the ones that Brooks had, I mean, he it did appear to be, you know, where he is very patiently waiting yes. yeah. and it's not necessarily there uh, at first. And then he busts out and, and, and he's so patient on the, the, the first one that the safety got kind of caught up. He had, it took so long to develop, you know, that he, the sa- their safety was caught up kind of around the line of scrimmage. And so when Brooks broke through the line, it was just a touchdown. I mean, yeah. but I am very ex- hopeful and ex- wanting to get Sir Roderick back. Yeah. He's a game changer, in my opinion, and uh, I think you know Brooks played like forty something snap. I mean, he played a lot. Yeah, and it'd be nice to uh, have you know with Brooks stepping up, we, you know, Sir Roderick won't have to do what he was doing before, and it'd just be nice to have both you know both of them fresh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's basically like what Brooks showed Saturday. Sir Roderick's still better, but it's like it's not near the drop off that we've had in the past. You know, you're like, you're rolling out two really good backs. I think Xavier white does good things that are different than those two. And I'm still, I'm never going to sell my Chedarius Townsend stock, no matter how little he plays. It's, I just know there's going to be a, there's going to be a game where that stock is going to cash in for me. Uh, But I, it's kind of like we talked about before the season. I think you just have a room full of guys who are skilled in different ways and, I'm not worried about that. Like I wasn't worried when I, when I heard that Thompson wasn't playing, I didn't start freaking out basically. Yeah. And Thompson not playing may have contributed to the line moving the way it did. Yeah. I mean, I would say nationally, he's one of the guys when like 
that you probably think of when you, you think of tech. So, I mean, he, then, he probably is one of our, he probably was our best player on offense last year. One thing before, from my seat being um, so close to the defensive huddles part of the sideline. So really got a first front row view of Patterson. He is his antics. He's it's hilarious to watch. He rips people's ass during the game, but he's also a lot of equal amount of kind of like encouragement and praising and not uh, shit talking. He like he contributes to kind of like their celebrations. And yeah, uh, I mean, when some of those interceptions, he would like he noticed. So on the Eric Monroe interception, he was right there and knew it was a catch. He was yeah. close enough to see it. And so everybody else was kind of hesitating and like, what just had, you know, what was that an incomplete or what Patterson knew it was an interception and he rips his headset off and immediately sprints to the opposite side of our bench where the fans are and like chest puffing, pointing <laughs> to the interacting with the fans, beating on equipment. Um, I mean, he's a defensive was, coordinator. <laughs> was, I, I, and he probably does that every game. I just don't, I'm not, there to see it yeah but, I mean, he was uh, one of the most excited vocal um bumping into like you know guys alumni that were there uh, watching and just on the sidelines he clearly knew them personally yeah. you know like bumping into them <laughs> during the game like, <laughs> i mean it was uh he's an animal patterson is an animal you know you we've heard all off season and wells has mentioned it about like a culture shift um about how you know we've you know they have this team full of leaders now uh and i even talked about a little pregame about one positive and bringing in all these transfers if you think they are good dudes and good football players is you don't they don't have the tech history the here we go again type thing like that's that's they don't know anything about that and so it's i feel like you saw that like you saw that on the sideline, we saw that on TV. That that just energy and uh, it just looked different. Like there, even when things were going as bad as things could possibly go, there wasn't. There didn't seem to be. You may correct me if I'm wrong, but there didn't seem to be like a the sideline kind of freaking out. It was just like, all right, well, now we definitely need to do our job. You know? Yeah. No, there wasn't any. Not that I could see. There was a lot of talking, productive talking it seemed like after their the two touchdown passes they threw but yeah. it was fry pearson and patterson were yeah. very intensely talking there was no like finger pointing or like frustration um patterson was seemed kind of frustrated but <laughs> they were they were you know in a productive way squaring out squaring away what what just happened or at least that's what it looked like from my view yeah and, there was the, you know, the Kyler Edwards tweet, it's time to uh, Tazon Henry and Keyshawn Carter. Yeah. There were a lot of tech players pointing to their watch during the. Yes. Uh, I didn't put that together until you sent that text. I, I thought that was just Brooks's thing. Like Brooks. Uh, there was uh, Adrian Taylor, who did not suit out, was very animated pointing to his watch later in the game. Our whole bench was Taj Brooks obviously was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were, there was um and yeah, I was watching um, a couple times. Anytime Henry or Keyshawn were involved in a play, you know, um, when Keyshawn Carter uh, dropped, so it was a third down late in the game. Uh, we brought a lot of pressure, maybe six guys, and Toon made the correct read. He throws it to Keyshawn Carter. It was like a quick slant over the middle. I don't know if he would have got the first down. We had uh, maybe Morgan Stern or someone 
that was close to him, but it would have been close to a first down, but Keyshawn Carter drops it and he's down and Eric Monroe goes up to him while he's on the ground and says something to him. <laughs> I'm sure just some encouragement. You'll get <laughs> right. it next time. Um, I saw um, Rico. They had a play. Uh, they had a great play call uh, in the second half. It was really their, it was their only long play. It was that we brought pressure and they ran a screen to Tazon Henry yeah. to the right side. And he, and Rico Jeffers and uh, Henry can run. Uh, that's my understanding is Tazon Henry is pretty fast and Rico runs him down and kind of, uh, does an alligator spin tackle out of bounds and Rico it appeared to let him know you know that he had sucked him up <laughs> and, and uh, I know that uh, you know Keyshawn Carter was the intended target on the last interception yes and on the Pearson interception and it appears that some people were made him aware of just what was happening in the game and that uh, yeah. so that was interesting to see yeah and, and that's that's what made this game like even even if you wanted to win by more, or even if you're you're incredibly frustrated with the first half, what made this game, you know, so like you said, it was just it was fun to be there. It was the stakes were high. I mean, some of it was, I mean, how many ex Texas Tech players are on that team? You got Hogan, Henry, uh, uh, Keyshawn Carter. You've got the Dana stuff talking about. They they all they would all they talked about on the broadcast was how to pronounce Shuck's name and then Dana's quote about they go by Reckham Tech but we're gonna wreck Tech. I mean, then you've got the Kyler Murray or Kyler Murray Kyler Edwards angle for the basketball team. I mean, there's just so much connection, and then you just add on top this is gonna be a future conference game. Like the stakes are just were just so high that it was it was really nice to see a Tech team respond because we have not seen that very much in the recent past. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It would have been, and I, I think I was wrong. I said, we said last week, uh, we would be like this, you know, we felt like we were betting a lot to lose a little. And after the game, I was much more happy and excited than I thought I would be had, you know, even if you had told me Tech's going to win 38, 21, just for the most part, dominate the game. Yeah. Um, but maybe not just the ebbs and flows of it, but just the box score and, and win by 17 and dominate the box score. Uh, I would have been like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. But I was way more excited than I thought I would be. You know, and walking out, I see Darren Moore and Tyson Williams, uh, former players. Yeah. And Tyson is like dressed. He has a cowboy hat on, boots, and he is hammered drunk. <laughs> Very excited. Uh, you know, and it's like, uh, it just, it was a lot of fun for yeah. sure. I mean, you just think about, and we talked about this last week, think about the way your season would feel based off this game. Like how much better do we feel recording this podcast, going into the next few weeks, being 1-0 as opposed to 0-1? And, and not just the record, but the, the opponent. I mean, it just, it totally changes the outlook on the site for us doing this podcast. It's going to change the way I feel this week, which is probably unhealthy, but it's, the life I've chosen. So it's just, it just feels good. <laughs> 100%. I agree. Um, but so do you have anything else on Houston? I don't think so. Well, it's, it's been fun to break down. It's been fun to talk about. And now, you know, we should have two drama free and we talked about this before we hit record. Neither, neither one of us know much about Stephen F. Austin. I'll, I'll look into him a little bit before Saturday, but I shouldn't have to look into Stephen F. Austin. It should be a game 
that we win handily. The next game should be one that's won handily, and you should be going into Austin 3-0. And if if anything other than that, and that happens, then this good feeling will go away pretty quick. But uh, it should be a fun couple weeks. I agree. But And it's like the players said, too. If you can, get out to Jones AT&T Stadium. I mean, it's a night game. It's a night kick. Weather should be nice. Get out there. Support these guys. They deserved it after the the week that uh, they had last week. So if you can, get out there. For sure. I might go to the Florida International game. There you go. Not good. SFA is not up to your standards. So Florida International. Back to back weeks is tough. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, the, the like I said, the, the com- hopefully the competition is bad, but the atmosphere will be good. So um, either way, we'll be back here next week. There's tons of stuff on Red Raider Sports. I've already written my offensive breakdown. My defensive breakdown will go up tomorrow. Uh, we've got all kinds of good stuff. Hunter, I'm sure we'll, we'll have some stuff later in the week. So uh, that's all I got. Hunter, anything else before we get out of here? That's it. All hopefully right, well, my voice will return soon. Say that again? I said hopefully my voice will return soon. <laughs> you sound pretty good. You sound pretty good. So. All right. Well, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>